We have on the PowerPoint a couple of pictures. I'm going to show them in a minute. Three pictures. Before we get into Mark's Gospel, I'd like you to reflect on a couple of questions. Two questions. Uh, First, what picture does your life look like? I mean, how would you describe your life in this moment, the past year, past month? I'm going to give you some options here. Does your life look like this? I think there's some ripples in that sea, but it looks calm and peaceful. Maybe your life feels like that. You think that things are going pretty good for you. You're thankful for spring. Or maybe there's a few waves. This is the tide rolling in. I'm not sure where that is, but life can look like that sometimes, perhaps. Maybe you can relate to this last picture. One moment, our life may be calm, our life may be going well. And yet the next moment, trouble comes crashing in. To our life. What will you do then? When life is hard. Is your heart troubled? Does your heart mirror the waters around you? I have to be honest. This, this message was difficult to prepare because I realized how often my soul reflects the waters around me. I respond to the circumstances of life and I do not see the Lord in the midst of it all. But I'm grateful for the account in the Word of God that we're going to look at this morning in Mark Chapter 4, beginning of verse 35, you would invite you to turn there. I'm grateful for this account because today's text in Mark chapter 4 offers us the hope of the Creator God who intervenes to rescue and invites us to consider our faith. The God who can calm the seas, can calm the storms that threaten us from within and without. Peace in chaos is real. It's possible if we will trust Jesus Christ, our Creator, the Almighty God. So as we look at the crisis that comes, the storm that comes and Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. I invite you to consider your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that He is the Lord, our Creator. He is able to save. I'm going to read Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. The whole account is just a few verses. At the end of chapter 4, beginning of verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, 
they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Allow me to set the scene for a moment. Mark gives us quite a lot of detail. It's a vivid picture that is painted for us. After a long day of Teaching. Remember, Jesus has been teaching many parables about the kingdom of God and its coming and its growth. And Jesus and his disciples now leave the crowd. It's evening time and they head across the lake. And suddenly a storm arises. And this was a big one. Now, keep in mind, the storms can come up pretty fast and storms were not uncommon. In the, typically in that afternoon toward evening time. This is a little bit later in the day. I can remember I grew up on a lake, the Great Lakes out east actually. and I can remember storms forming in just a matter of, of minutes and they would come across and you could see them coming across the lake and they would hit our house and the thunder and the lightning would come and you'd see it far off first and it'd be coming pretty quick. And this was fairly common at the Sea of Galilee as well, which is a, uh, a lake that uh, formed really a low spot among a, a group of higher hills, mountains, but not quite as rugged as our Rocky Mountains here. And uh, almost, though, like Waterton Lakes, you know what it's like when you're down by the lake there? The wind comes roaring down off the mountains. It meets the air of the lake, and it can create some interesting weather. Well, this was a bit like that. And sudden storms were not uncommon. But this storm is singled out as especially dangerous. It was a great storm. And it was so great that the waves were breaking over the boat. And uh, even the experienced fishermen there, Peter and Andrew and James and John, they can't stop the waves from coming in to this boat. No matter what heading they put it to or how much they were bailing. This is a great storm. They were in danger of drowning. But in the crisis of this great storm, there is a vivid contrast between the troubled disciples 
and their Lord who lay fast asleep. Allow me to read verse uh, 38. And uh, he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Here is the Lord of the universe resting. While the disciples, in a panic, yell out, Don't you care? We're about to die. We can understand their fear. We can relate to it. They're distraught that he would sleep during a time like this. Have you noticed how often crisis brings out the question, does Jesus care? Does God care about what's going on? Does he even hear me? while Jesus is asleep, the world is being held together by that man, probably exhausted from teaching all that day. And he holds the world together. It's an amazing picture of the humanity of Christ and yet that he is Lord and God. What happens next silences all doubts that the disciples might have. Verse 39, he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The disciples are terrified about this storm. They wake Jesus. The Savior rises up to calm the storm with word. Peace, be still. And immediately the storm stopped. Right away, the wind quit. The waters were dead calm. As great as the storm was, Jesus was greater. The calm was as great as the storm. That same word is used to describe both the storm and the calm. Stop and think about what Jesus did here for a moment. I think it's fair to say in Christian culture, we're kind of used to Sunday school stories about Jesus. Yeah, Jesus raised the dead girl. He calmed calmed a sea and he healed a lot of people. I mean, come on. Just think about what this means. Think about who this is. No mere human can do what Jesus did here. The psalmist writes, power belongs to the Lord. Psalm 62.11 And you rule the raging of the sea when its waters rise, you still them. Psalm 89, verse 9. Interestingly enough, a messianic psalm also. Every culture on earth agrees that man simply cannot govern the sea, okay? 
That's the absolute truth. Whatever country you live in. <laughs> we could build a ship that floats. Pretty big ones. We could try taking a ship through a great storm and make it through just fine. But we cannot command storms to stop on a dime. Go ahead and try it if you want to. And go to Waterton. Tell the wind to stop there. The waves to calm down. If you do succeed, please then go and tell the Alberta winds to leave Alberta alone, okay? Leave Cardston at least alone. Uh, I mean, it should be obvious to us when we read something like this, when we come into contact, when we encounter the word of truth about Jesus Christ and what he has done. But somehow we still forget the power of God and his ability, his right to rule over the wind and the waves. So many people live their lives blind to the power of the Creator, unwilling to acknowledge Him, and yet will attribute power to blind chance, to nature, not to God. When we read this story, we're reading a testimony of Jesus Power is the sovereign God. That He's the living and true God. The one who sets the boundaries for the raging sea. Sets the timing of the tides, of the ocean, and the course for the winds to blow. Same God who parted the Red Sea. How great do you think of Jesus Christ? Do you see how powerful our God and Savior Jesus Christ is? That He's not a mere man sleeping on a boat. He's the Lord God incarnate. Having calmed the stormy sea, Jesus turns to his disciples. Verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Every crisis provokes a response. There are choices that we make. Every crisis is an opportunity to consider one's faith. This is where Jesus turns the conversation. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Don't you see who I am? In rebuke, Jesus calls them to take a look at their fears. Why? And he points to the root of their fear. 
no faith. Now faith here specifically refers to faith in Jesus and His power, His ability to save. Faith in Him as the Messiah, the Deliverer. Below the surface of their fear of the storm was a deeper root. They were afraid because they did not trust Jesus in that moment. Here was an opportunity the Lord takes to expose that root, to make it plain what they were lacking. Why? So that they would see who he was. He exposes the foolishness of their thinking so they might worship and trust him all the more. I mean, we're going to see through the Gospels. We've already seen that the disciples' faith is, is a journey, okay? Their ups and downs, and Peter will say one moment, you are the Christ, the Son of God, and the next moment, uh, you're not going to die, Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, what God's plan is. Not too long after, he'll deny Jesus. But Jesus will be faithful, merciful. So we know that this isn't the end of the story. It's not like Jesus is saying, sorry, you have no faith. You're out. Jesus has a, a redemptive purpose to his exposing their lack of faith. You see, their faith needs to be tempered as hardened steel as they walk through life, as they encounter storms. And he will tell them later, they will encounter persecution for the sake of his name and other things. Their faith will be refined as they go through trials and trust in their Savior. Determine the course of a person's life when we encounter a trial. We have an opportunity even in our fears and in our lack of faith to turn to depend on God. To learn of Christ and trust Him. When fear comes into your life, it floods your soul, you can feel it. You'll despair. You're upset. You're troubled. It is good to consider our fears. Consider why, what is going on. that we might see and turn to the living God. Unwilling to confront our fears and turn to Christ. Fear will not be dealt with. 
The Apostle John says, perfect love casts out fear. It is knowing the character of our God, His power and His love that enables us to trust Him. So let's see the disciples' response in verse 41. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? After seeing what Christ has done, they respond in awe and terror. This time, uh, not at the storm, but at Jesus Christ. There, there is so much they still did not understand about Jesus, about who he was, about what he was coming to do. But they saw that Jesus was more awesome than that storm. And set beside fear of Christ, all of their fears for that storm were as nothing. The terror they felt while the storm was raging could not compete with their awe for the Lord in that moment. Did they learn their lesson completely? I think they did. They may doubt at other points other circumstances. But this marks a decisive moment where Christ reveals his power and love as creator and they respond in worship. There's a worshiping heart, a fearing heart, a heart that fears God. That can weather the storms of life. So disciple of Christ, your fears, my fears, our times of crisis are like a warning light for us to consider our faith, to check our mooring, what holds us on course. We don't want to leave this passage. I don't want to leave with just thinking inwardly, reflecting about our fears and our heart. I also don't want to look outward. I want to look to Jesus Christ. The bottom line in, the, in this text is that we can trust Jesus, that He is the Creator who has power over storms and seas. He created the storm. Mm -hmm. If He can calm the ocean, He can bring good in your trouble. He brings trouble into your life. He may use 
or allow evil, He will use it for good. And so you can rest in His power no matter what He puts in your path. See, nothing we go through does not go through Jesus' hands. He's big enough to calm a storm. And He's big enough to know what is best for us. Even to take us to the end of ourselves so that we would fully trust Him. Sometimes we need that boat to be full of water before we'll even consider the Savior. So look again at your troubles, at your life, whether your life is smooth sailing or choppy seas, you can be at rest in your soul. You come to Jesus Christ, the Lord of all creation. As you look at your life, consider your faith, what you trust what you count on. And remember, the Lord. He brings the storms. He calms them too. His name is Jesus.